please pray with me. God of grace, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. God calls each one of you. One way or another, God calls us. Samuel's call story is one of the more famous or well-known ones from the Bible. The story is told somewhat comically. God calls Samuel, calls him by name. And the voice sounds so real and so clear that Samuel thinks it is his mentor Eli there in the next room. This happens three times before Eli clues in that Samuel is hearing God calling and needs to respond to God. Throughout the Bible, God calls people, and the stories show us that calls come in so many shapes and sizes, and there are so many ways to respond. God calls Moses, and Moses engages God in an extended argument and bargaining, trying to talk God into calling someone else instead. God calls Jonah, and Jonah flat out says no, until he spends some time in the belly of a fish. Jonah then reluctantly gives in. But the Bible is pretty clear about which responses to God's call are the correct ones. God calls Noah to build an ark, and Noah begins construction. God calls Samuel, and Samuel says, Speak, Lord. I, your servant, am listening. God calls Isaiah, and Isaiah says, Here I am. Send me. A Christian theology of call is like a Christian theology of stewardship in general. A Christian theology of call rests upon the fundamental belief that God has created us. God, like a potter, wants to shape us, to shape the direction we take, shape the choices we make. The God who has created us has given us gifts of particular skills and talents, And the God who has given us our skills calls us to use those skills on God's behalf. It is because God has created us that God claims us for God's work. Christians have worked with and refined this theology of call over the centuries, this sense that as the one who creates us, God also places a claim upon our lives. We look at the Protestant Reformation, Martin Luther was known for his emphasis on what he called the priesthood of all believers, meaning that we are all called, we all have a work that is a ministry. Our United Methodist language doesn't sound as striking or as lovely to me as that phrase, the priesthood of all believers. We simply call it the ministry of all Christians. Every Christian has a ministry. Grounding ourselves in this theology is enormously important, Without it, we can fall into the error of believing that God's call is something reserved for a select few, for those who enter professional ministry or for those who do big things to make their mark on the world. But nothing could be farther from the truth. United Method- or Methodist founder John Wesley understood this particularly well. Listen to this language that comes from the Wesleyan Covenant service, a service that Methodists have used since Wesley's time to reaffirm our commitment to serve God. The service says this, Christ has many services to be done, 
Some are more easy and honorable. Others are more difficult and disgraceful. Some are suitable to our inclinations and interests. Others are contrary to both. In some, we may please Christ and please ourselves. But then there are other works where we cannot please Christ except by denying ourselves. It is necessary, therefore, that we consider what it means to be a servant of Christ. Christ has many services to be done. Some are easy and some are difficult. Some please us and some don't. Wesley said that some forms of service are difficult and disgraceful, and to that I would add commonplace and mundane. Frederick Buechner is one of the more prominent Christian theologians to write about call. These are Buechner's words. Vocation comes from the Latin vocare, to call, and it means the work one is called to by God. There are all different kinds of voices calling you to do all different kinds of work, and the problem is to find out which is the voice of God, rather than that of the society, or the superego, or self-interest. By and large, a good rule for finding this out is the following. The kind of work God usually calls you to do is the kind of work, A, that you need most to do, and B, that the world needs most to have done. If you really get a kick out of your work, you have presumably met requirement A. But if your work is writing deodorant commercials, the chances may be that you missed requirement B. On the other hand, if your work is being a doctor in a leper colony, you have probably met requirement B. But if most of the time you are depressed by your work, the chances are not only that you've bypassed A, but you may not be helping your patients much either. He goes on to say, Neither the hair shirt nor the soft birth will do. The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Some of us have the luxury, and it is a luxury, of being able to work full-time for pay at the thing we feel called to. But many more people are called to service apart from their paid or professional work. People are called to parent. People are called to all kinds of service that doesn't pay, service that is done as volunteer work, In part, this is a justice issue. Our society sometimes makes it impossible to make a living at the work that might be most worthy in God's eyes. The backdrop for our sense of call is a society that rewards ballplayers and movie stars with outrageous wealth, while the people who care for our elderly in nursing homes and our children in daycare are often at the bottom of the financial barrel. How can we stay focused on God's call to us when doing work for the welfare of God's people could make our own survival a struggle or our ability to support our families? How can people be free to seek their calling when we live in the midst of economic structures that can use human labor as a cheap commodity? No one is called to work in a sweatshop. So we know that the reality of this world is that we cannot equate God's call with professional work. And still, each of us is called. 
it is clear that part of the nature of being a follower of Jesus is that we are called into service, to serve the needs of the world in some way. And Beekner's words are an accurate expression of a Christian theology of call. Call should include gladness for ourselves and serving a real need in the world. But I believe that that is sometimes much simpler and much more ordinary than we might think. That's why I might add commonplace and mundane to Wesley's description of Christian service being potentially easy and honorable or difficult and disgraceful. Christian service can be incredibly ordinary. One writer refers to what he calls the sacramental desk. Our sacraments, baptism and communion, are those places where we believe that God uniquely shows up. And this idea of the sacramental desk suggests that whatever you do, wherever you work, you can carry a sense of dedicating your work to God. The image suggests that at any desk, in any line of work, we can trust, we can treat the tasks that fall to us with a sense of desiring to carry out the tasks in ways that are faithful. When I was an office manager for a publishing company, I really believed that the books published by that company made a valuable contribution to society, and that putting my work energy into that company was good stewardship of the gifts God had given me, and I did the best job I was able. When I worked as an accounting assistant for a nonprofit foundation, I really believed that the organizations supported by that foundation were making the world a better place, and I believed that my work in that organization was a faithful use of the gifts God had given me. I volunteered walking dogs at the Sacramento SPCA. If I am called to be a pastor, that is a calling that seems big in some way. But in some sense, the simple service of walking dogs was also something I was called to. Now, when I assessed my gifts for ministry, I never put ability to walk on the list. And I didn't list my love of animals either as a gift for ministry. But I do believe that animals are part of God's creation and that care for them is part of God's will. Dogs that are well exercised will be physically healthier and have fewer behavior problems and are therefore more likely to be adopted rather than euthanized. So the small, simple act of walking dogs for the SPCA contributes to filling a real need in the world. Is the adoption of rescue animals a deep need in the world, if we follow Beekner's language again? It's certainly not a need on the scale of feeding the hungry or housing the homeless or ending war. But in its own simple way, care for homeless dogs is a need in the world. Did walking dogs produce a deep gladness in me, going again to Beekner's language? I wouldn't go that far. But walking dogs produced a sense of simple satisfaction that is also consistent, I believe, with the nature of how God calls us. Sometimes answering the call to serve Christ is far simpler than the grand theological language might make us think. Most of us do not hear God's call the way Samuel did. Most of us do not hear a voice speaking so clearly that we could mistake it for a person who is just in the next room. The United Methodist Church is in line with most of mainstream Christendom in believing that any legitimate call to serve God 
comes across in three ways, or has three components to it. One piece is this sense that there is this something that God is asking of us. A second piece is an internal sense that this thing that we think is being asked feels like a fit. But the third way that a call to service comes across is through community. The role of community in affirming call is enormously important. Someone who's a candidate for ordained ministry in the United Methodist Church cannot be um, approved or supported unless a community, a congregational community, has expressed their support for that person. The role of community in recognizing call is a necessary corrective to the person who believes they hear God's call when in fact they're hearing the voice, as Beekner says again, of society or of superego or of self-interest. But the role of community also helps those who may not be hearing God's call, may not be listening or may not have the gift for recognizing how God is nudging them. God's call may very well come to you through the voice of a friend or a neighbor, a family member, someone who reflects back to you what gifts they see in you, and some way that you might put your gifts to use. God uses us to help call each other, to help identify one another's gifts, and sometimes to point out those places where those gifts might be used in service. So we believe that God gives us gifts, gifts of time and energy and skills. We believe that God has a claim upon these gifts, really upon our whole lives, We believe that God calls us to use our gifts in God's service. And further, that the call to follow Jesus is a call to give ourselves in service. To the extent that we listen for God's call and make earnest efforts to use our skills in service, we are exercising good stewardship of the gifts God has given us. May God give you a clear view of your gifts. May God open your eyes to the needs of the world, whether those needs seem large or merely simple or commonplace. And may God guide your discernment in knowing when to say yes. Amen.